0: Uh, Good morning everyone. Uh, This morning I'll be doing a reading from Ecclesiastes 3, 9 to 14. What do workers gain from their toil? I've seen the burden God has laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing can be taken from it. God does it so that people will fear him. Thank you, Calm going to start today with a little bit of a depressing forecast. It was actually very impressive uh, back when it was first given, but you're going to be depressed that it hasn't actually happened. Uh, so back in 1967, there was a report sent to the US Senate. This is a legitimate report. This is not fake news. This actually happened. This is actually what they expected as technology started to take stock all over the world back in 1967. Uh, The report suggested that by 1985, people might have to choose between working 22 hours a week, only working 27 weeks a year, or retiring at 38. Now, to put, put this into a little bit of perspective, 1985, that was the year that I was born, and so it definitely, we're a little bit beyond that and I still don't see us working 22-hour weeks. Uh, some of them might work 22-hour days. That might be closer to the truth. Uh, 38, retiring at 38, to put that in perspective, I am 38 and I am not looking to retire anytime soon. That is definitely not what I'll be thinking about in the very near future. Isn't it interesting that that is what was expected? Uh, This was genuinely what was put forward as what they thought would happen because of technology coming through. Now, what actually happened? Uh, So this is a report from 2014 uh, by the Oxford Centre for Time Use. And so this is, again, this is the report speaking, not necessarily myself, but the headline changes over the last 50 years are that women do a whole lot less unpaid work, not that they do none, but they do less unpaid and a whole lot more paid work, and that men do quite a bit less paid work and a whole lot more unpaid work. But here's the real thing that they noted. The research, but the total amount of work are pretty much exactly the same. Now, that actually might even be a surprise for some here. might say, actually, I feel like we do more work today. Well, maybe that's the perspective. That isn't what the research showed. Uh, The research does actually show that pretty much, whether you take paid and unpaid, because work at home is still work. It may not be that you're getting employed to do it, but the floors don't clean themselves unless you have a vacuum cleaner that does itself, uh, which is great, but then you've got to make sure that works. And so then there's all the things that go with that. That actually pretty much between the 1960s and today, the amount of work that we do is pretty much the same. And yet I certainly would say that my perspective is that most people would say they are more tired today than they would expect to be. That actually being tired seems to be the normal state. We're continuing today just a short three-week series to start the year off strong, looking at how we can cultivate our life. This is that time of year where everyone sort of goes, right, it's a new beginning, new year, new me, what am I going to do different? And so trying to help facilitate some of those decisions and help you think through what changes can you make this year? Because I think if I was to ask anyone, they would say they would like 2024 to be an improvement on 2023. You certainly don't want it to be worse than. No matter how good or bad last year was, you want this year to be better. Uh, We don't have complete control over that, but there are some areas that we can make some intentional choices, and there are definitely some areas that the Bible speaks to this. And so today we're going to be looking at resources. How do we use the different kinds of resources that we have in ways that will actually be cultivated so that this year is a better year? So the different areas that I want to talk to, there's three different areas. Uh, One is taking your time and energy. They can be the same thing, but they are also quite different. One is taking the idea that you have talents and gifts. How can you use your talents and gifts this year in a way that will actually make a difference? And how can you use your treasures? That is predominantly finances, but there are other things that you have that are of worth that you can use towards kingdom purposes and what does that look like? Another question that I want to ask and I think even if this is all you take away from today as we think through is, is it possible to live an unhurried life? Wouldn't that be great? Wouldn't it be great to not always feel like you're racing to get to the next thing or, or feeling like you've finished one thing and it's time to move on to another then you haven't even really got to enjoy the thing that you already did? And then the other question that we're going to delve into a little bit as we go across this is if we're not working more, why are we always so tired? Because it really does show, uh, there are other research projects that I looked into that said the same thing. We're actually not working any more than people have worked before. The work we're doing is different, but definitely the level of reported tiredness is significantly higher than other generations. So firstly, we're going to jump into the Bible on how you can steward your time and energy. Uh, We started off with, and you'll notice that the slide had the right verses but the wrong heading. It's because I started with this slide and added the extra verses and forgot to change the heading. So that's my apologies. Uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 11 to 13 says this. He, being God, has made everything beautiful, and here's a key bit, in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know that there is nothing better than for people than to be happy and to do good while they live. That each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. Uh, the book of Ecclesiastes is a really interesting book. Uh, It basically looks at the idea of what would the world be like if there actually was no God. And it really presses into this idea that ultimately, when you come to know that God is real, that's what actually makes sense of this world. And one of the messages within that is that when you discover who God is and you actually allow yourself to live for God, you discover that actually a large part of why we are here is to actually eat, drink, actually have a sense of satisfaction find each place and find a rhythm and routine that suits us and goes well and actually have satisfaction in our toil. It's when we get outside of what God would have for us, when we try and do things our way or when we perhaps get distracted by ways of the world, that we actually get kicked off that course and that isn't the reality of what we experience. But Ecclesiastes would definitely say, and it's definitely the message across a lot of the Bible, that there is a way of living where you can actually find satisfaction in what you do. Not that there won't be any challenges, and we're going to come to that in a moment, but that you will find satisfaction in what you do, and it won't always feel overwhelming. You see, we flourish when we experience the right things in their own time when we actually look to do the things in the right time we don't try and get ahead of ourselves or ahead of God when we don't try and do more than is actually possible for us to do when we actually learn and I'm going to use a word which sounds bad but you actually just have to come to grips with it to settle for what God has for you part of our challenge is we often want more than what is actually in our path or part of our journey. And it's because we're striving for and seeking more and wanting the next great thing that we often don't find that sense of rest and satisfaction. Another verse, Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. This is actually one of those verses that a lot of people want to take out of the Bible because they read it and go, that's just not possible. That can't be true. But these are the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will, make, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Now, yoke is a way of life. Yoke was the thing that was put onto donkeys and it holds them together. And it basically, it's a premise for my yoke is my way of living. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. An uncomfortable truth of the Bible. When we are actually following Jesus in the way that he would have us follow him, his yoke is easy. Easy. That doesn't mean we aren't challenged. Again, look at the New Testament. Look at the disciples. They lost their lives and faith and things. But there was something about their way of following Jesus which just worked. Jesus himself says that when you come to know my way, when you actually let yourselves make the hard choices to choose to follow me and not get pulled away to all the other things that we strive after, you will find rest for your souls. But then in John 16 verse 33, just to counter this, this is Jesus' words again. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he's just giving them some words of encouragement, some words of affirmation, some words that would really help them in that time. And he says, I have told you these things so that in me, you will have peace in this world. So you will have peace in this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I have told you these things that in me you will have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. And in looking at Ephesians 5 verse 15 to 16, it says this. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. The reality of following Jesus in the 21st century is if you just go along with the, the way and the whims of things, you actually won't find rest and peace and solitude and the way of Jesus because it's just not the way the world is pulling us. You actually have to be careful how you live. You have to be incredibly intentional about the choices that you make in the things that you do. Uh, in Romans, once again, Paul writing to Romans says this Do not be conformed, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Uh, it may not come as a surprise to you, but this is written, you know, nearly 2,000 years ago. And even then they were having to say, you have to recognize the world is not drawing you closer to Jesus. The way outside of faith is not drawing you closer to Jesus. If you just go along with what everyone else is doing and have the same aspirations as everybody else has and look for the same level of living that everyone else has and want the same things that everyone else has, you will not find the peace and the rest and the unhurried life of following Jesus. It's a trade-off and you've got to work out what are those things that you're willing to trade off and what are those areas where you actually might have to say goodbye to a dream because it's actually not going to lead to the life that you need to have. The way of Jesus will not happen by accident. It has to be an intentional choice. There's uh, so some tips in this section on how do you cultivate your time and energy. And I alluded to this last week and I'm going to allude to it this week and I might even allude to it next week. You really do have to say no more often. Let me say that again in case you didn't hear me at the back. You really do have to say no more often. Why are we so much busier but actually not working anymore? We try to do everything at a million miles an hour. All technology has actually done has made things faster. They've made decision making have to happen much quicker. You have immediate contact with anyone in the world, which is actually a whole lot harder to manage than I think we ever gave ourselves credit for. You really do have to be intentional about the things you say yes to and the things you say no to. And it's probably half the number of things you think you can say yes to. And that could be all I say, and we could probably go home now, and that would really be the main thing. But don't say no to me. Please don't say no to me. No, you'll have to say no to me as well. And that's okay. I get that. Find times to unplug and disconnect and have rhythms of what this looks like for you. Make sure you're having, this is going to be an unpopular opinion, you need a day a week that you have at least in some way an intentional amount of time, which is just downtime. They used to call it the Sabbath, this idea that you'd have a day a week and it doesn't fit in contemporary culture. Very, very few Christians have anything remotely resembling what the Bible would call a Sabbath. And the reality is it's actually really hard for you to actually instill that. So I don't want to make you feel even more overwhelmed. We're going, but I can't do that. But so find something, find a block, find a period of time, find an evening, find an afternoon, find something each week that you can disconnect, unplug, rest, read a book, puzzle, whatever it might be that you do, read, listen to some Christian music, whatever it might be. You really must have this time. You must have this time. Uh, Make changes in the areas that you can. Give yourself grace in the areas that you can't. There are seasons of life where you just have no control over what will happen in that season. The realities are, and I use this a lot, I use my own examples because I know my example, so it's easy. I have a three-month, nearly four-month-old child. There are some realities around what that means. And so I have to be gracious to myself when I say, you know what, I'd really love to have a 10-hour sleep tonight, and then it doesn't happen because it just can't. It's not realistic. So I'm not going to badger myself for being tired. I'm going to be tired. This is a season where tiredness is going to be part of the story. But there are some areas where I can make choices where it's actually just my laziness that means they don't happen. They're the areas I want to kick myself about. Uh, You'll you'll be pleased to know because if you heard last week, I talked about last week, I hadn't read much this year. I read nearly every night this week. I listened to my own message last week and actually made some changes and chose to make the right decisions. Unplug. And make sure you're gracious to yourself where you can't make other choices. Do your best when you're at your best. So work out the things that you actually get the most benefit from. Where are the areas that you actually are really productive? And actually try and do the things that are most important in those times. Work out if you're a morning person or an afternoon person or an evening person. And then work out with your family how you can find at least some of those times where you can do the things that are important in those times. Uh, You might find that you're incredibly, incredibly productive at 3am in the morning and that might be really strange for your family, but actually for you it's just what the case is. All right, get up at 3 o'clock, do two hours of solid work, you might do six hours worth of work in that time. Whereas if you know the afternoons is that drudge time, you could try and do two hours of work and it takes six hours. Just don't work that. Work out what works for you, when to do it, and put as much of that in place as you possibly can. A really good book, I like to give book reviews, uh, is, you probably can't see much of it, but it's called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. The Ruthless, and I mean it's ruthless. This is Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. Don't race through this book. It kind of goes against the point. Uh, And so this is how to stay emotionally healthy and spiritually alive, in the chaos of the modern world. is by a guy called John Mark Comer. Uh, it's forwarded by a guy called John Ortberg. Any book written by either of those authors will help you in these areas. They are absolutely fantastic. If you are hurried, read this book. Don't put it on one and a half speed if you listen to it on Audible. I think it even makes a joke about that because it's, the whole point is to slow down. It's a really, really helpful book really challenging and you might make one or two changes out of a hundred that it probably gives you an idea of spend the rest of your life working out the rest Uh, moving on to talents and gifts what does the bible have to say about talents and gifts and how you can use them this year how you can cultivate your talents and gifts Uh, the first one i want to speak to is this for all of you who've heard me say i can zone out at this point because i don't have any gifts Uh, that is not true So the question that some people say is, what if I don't have any gifts or talents? If you're a follower of Jesus, I mean, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, reality is everyone has gifts and talents. But specifically looking at those of you who have decided to follow Jesus, the Bible is incredibly clear. Everyone, hands up if you're not part of everyone. I shouldn't see any hands. Everyone has gifts. 1 Corinthians verse 12, chapter 12, verse 4 to 6 says this. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. So for those of you who might "Going, I can zone out. This doesn't apply to me. It absolutely applies to you because everyone who decides to follow Jesus is gifted by the Spirit for some work. doesn't necessarily, and we'll cover that as we go on. Uh, The second one then is, why are we given gifts? So what's the purpose behind these gifts? What does it look like? Well, actually, 99 times out of 100, or about 9 out of 10 times that the Bible is talking about gifts, it is actually about encouraging or serving others. So this is why you shouldn't, feel, you shouldn't be saying, oh, I don't have any gifts, because the reality is you should really want to have them, because it's not about you. It's actually about your capacity to bless and serve others. Uh, 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says this, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. This is why having a gift is not a bad thing because it isn't about you. It really is about enabling you to be a part of serving others, which is what the church is meant to be about. Our uh, gifts, this is another big one people ask, is are gifts natural or supernatural? Uh, I say the answer to that is actually it's completely both. Sometimes God uses a natural gift that you have and he uses it for supernatural purposes. And so you might use the same gift you have at work and it's just because you have it and something that you do. But actually God enables you to also use that in a faith context to bless and to serve others. Uh, An example of that for for myself is from a very young age, I've been able to speak in front of people. It's just something that I've done. Uh, My parents got me doing it from when I was very little. Do they get me doing it because I was good at it or was I able to do it because I was gifted? I'm not sure, but reality is from a very young age, I've been able to do that. Now, I did not know when I was eight years old and starting to do this at church that I was going to be a preacher one day. That is definitely not what my career path suggested at that point but God has taken that and has used that so that I can now use that in my role as pastor. It's something that I've always been naturally inclined towards, but that God can use for other purposes. However, there are times that people have part of their story and say, you know what, I always used to be awful at this, and all of a sudden I've decided that God's actually opened the door and now I can do it really well. Or some people even say, I can't do that anywhere, but get me in church and I seem to be able to do these things. It's because the Spirit is enabling you to use those gifts for His kingdom purposes. Another question, which is a really big one, is are gifts for inside or outside the church? Are the gifts given for church or are they given for other purposes? Well, actually, again, most of the time, when you read through the New Testament, the gifts are used... For edifying the church. Now remember though, from a, church, from a Christian perspective or from the Bible's perspective, the church isn't a building we gather in on Sunday. The church is the people of God. And so the gifts are given for you to edify the people of God. And what's the job of the church? What is the church meant to do? The church is then tasked with promoting human flourishing. So in actually using your gifts to encourage the church, you are therefore then actually encouraging the church to help people outside of the church flourish. So it is both, but generally speaking, most of the gifts that are spoken to... Now, there are gifts like gifts of evangelism. That's not really something that's generally in this context. That is one that you would use when you're out and about sharing faith with those who are far from Jesus. That would be one that is actually more for use uh, beyond the gathering of the church? Generally speaking, it is actually about using these gifts in the various formats and gatherings of your local church. That means you should probably be gathering with your local church on a fairly regular basis, not just on a Sunday, but in other capacities so you can build each other up and help each other grow and strive and live out their lives and make a difference in the world. Uh, Some tips for cultivating gifts and talents. Uh, Firstly, Expect to have something to offer. This might just be your change this year. If you're currently sitting in a seat going, I have no gifts, here is your 2024 goal. Change your language from I have no gifts to I'm wanting to find what my gifts are. Change your own language. It's amazing how you can actually talk yourself into falsities. So the Bible would say that's not true, but you will tell yourself that it is, and therefore you'll sit there and go, I have nothing to offer. So part of your role is to actually expect it. Expect that there is something there that God would have for you to use. And maybe use this year to try and find out what that might be. Uh, The next one, and that kind of follows along from this, uh, you generally have to use gifts to discover them. Uh, if you don't, you don't know that you actually can speak in front of a crowd until you actually try and speak in front of a crowd, then you might say, oh, I can't do that. But until you give it a go, you really won't know if that's actually something God would be calling you towards. Uh, there's so many other areas this would work out in, but give things a try. Rather than being your, your first perspective being, oh, I can't do that, give it a go and go from there. Uh, be open to hearing other people's feedback. So this is the other one. Sometimes there is the problem where someone thinks that they have a gift and they really don't. <laughs> they really don't. So be open to other people's feedback. If they come at you and say, yeah, probably not. Like, okay, maybe let's you know, just give it another go and try. and Maybe I'll give you some coaching. So it may not be a no straight away. It might be, mm, maybe we can work on that. But be open to it. So don't be afraid if someone comes to you and says, actually, all right, you're probably not. Let's try this. Because it's meant to be about the church helping each other work out what these things look like. Uh, Remember, some gifts are natural, some gifts are not. Don't only stick to what you've been comfortable with you may not discover any of those gifts that God has for you for a particular context or a particular place because it might be something outside your comfort zone and it might be something you would never do anywhere else. But actually God has something for you in those areas for his church. So sometimes let yourself step outside those comfort zones and, hey, worst case scenario, you prove that you are right and you shouldn't be doing it and that's okay. Then you can sit back into that comfortable zone again, but give it a go and hopefully you're amongst friends so that you can actually be okay with it when that happens. Uh, also, I, actually do, I do advocate that spiritual gift inventories can be helpful. So I'm not a blanket, don't use them. I am a blanket, don't use them in, a, in, a, in their own just for themselves. If you fill out a, a gift adventure and it comes out and says that you're gifted in prophecy, but you've absolutely never had any sort of capacity of prophecy and no one's ever confirmed that you've ever had that kind of thing in your life, that may not be the case. Gift inventories really require you to have really good introspection of yourself But I would say you can definitely use them and then have some trusted Christian friends that would help you understand if what they spit out is actually accurate for yourself. Uh, But I have used them before and I have found them helpful. Uh, Just getting a bit of an idea of things that it might be worth trying because you may not have realized what you actually could give a go and this might help you with that. Uh, Finally, we're going to look at the Bible on stewarding treasures. And I'm not actually going to spend too much time in this space Uh, To some degree, when we go through our giving talk each week and as we share the different things around our giving, that does actually speak to this in some ways. Uh, Giving in the church is an incredibly important part of what the Bible speaks to. It's one of the most difficult topics for pastors to preach on because immediately people start going, here we go, they just want our money. So as I always do, I don't want that to be the reason why a person wouldn't give because I absolutely think giving changes your life, and it changes the way that faith lives out for you. If you want to follow through on these principles and you want to give your money to another church so it isn't about us getting your money, please do so. Because the important thing is that actually use your finances in a kingdom way, not whether or not we actually gain any benefit from it. It's absolutely got to be that you look at how you can use these things from a God perspective. Uh, So, Matthew 6, verse 24 says this No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And generally speaking, one of these things will have precedence. Either you will say that you want to serve God, but you're really serving money, or you'll say you are serving God. And money's there and money's a requirement, but it really isn't the ultimate thing. Some of the richest people in this world have no money to their name. But they have their faith and they have an understanding of just what God can do in and through their lives. Uh, Matthew 6 for 33 says this. And again, this goes against our contemporary way of looking at things. Seek first His kingdom and His righteousness. And all these things, thats the things that we need to get by, not all the things we want, but all the things that we need to get by, will be given to you as well. And here's the other catch to that. Sometimes you have to let the kingdom actually support you. Sometimes you have to let the kingdom help you. Christians are really bad at receiving help from others. They're very happy to give it. They're very happy to support but if they ever find themselves in a position where they actually need some help, oh, no, no, I don't, I'll be okay. God will provide. While God's going, I'm providing for you. Now let them have it. But that's just what happens. The church is meant to come around and be that provision and be that support. And yet so often we're not willing to receive it because we're too proud and we want to do it ourselves. And it's just not what the Bible teaches Here's the other catch. All your treasures, all your finances, everything you have of value from a money or even a worldly sense, it actually all belongs to God. And all of it should be used towards kingdom purposes. You don't just give 10% and go, right, now that 90%. Here we go. Let's see what we can do. And that's what I don't teach tithing. I don't think that's what the Bible teaches. It taught it for a period of time and it had a perspective. And I do think 10% is a good guide. That's certainly what I advocate. But that doesn't then free you to go and say, right, 90%, let's go buy that boat. Because maybe the boat isn't actually what God would have for those finances. Well, maybe it is. That's between you and God. Uh, Giving is a discipline. 2 Corinthians 8, verse 7 and 12. But since you excel in everything, in faith and speech in knowledge in complete earnestness and in the love we have kindled in you, see too that you excel in this grace of giving. And then if the willingness is there, remember if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Don't beat yourself up about what you can and can't give, but give what you can with a generous heart and a generous spirit. And use that towards God's purposes. Where's your heart at with regards to giving? And what's your next step in that space? Uh, A few questions for cultivating finances. The first one, do you need to see a financial advisor? Please don't think as a Christian you have to work this out yourself. And I'll also tell you, don't just go and talk to your pastor, whether you're here and talking to me or someone else. I'm fairly cluey on a lot of things, but I am not a financial expert. I can give you ideas about what the Bible will say, and I can help you think through it from a faith perspective, And it may well then be that you need to go and talk with someone who understands money. Hey, it's great if they're a Christian as well so they can understand where you're coming from and they don't look at that line item of giving to the church and say, yeah, get rid of that one. That's not going to serve you. But you may need to actually go and see a professional to help you think through your finances. Please do so if that's something you haven't done that you think would be helpful. Do you need to say no to a dream that you actually can't afford. Dreams that are in line with what God would have for your life, no problem whatsoever. But I, I think most, in fact, if I was honest with you, I think everyone in this room probably has a dream that you are working towards that you haven't asked God about. And you haven't actually asked if that was what God would have for you. I don't know what it is, so don't come and ask me. But hunches, every one of us has something like that. Do you need to say no to a dream that you actually can't afford? Are your financial priorities aligned with kingdom priorities? And making sure that everything you're looking at from a financial perspective is actually how do you go further in your faith? And how are you helping the least of these in your financial decisions? that is listed throughout the Bible, that the least of these... And if you live in Australia on minimum wage, you are in the top 10% of wealth in the world. If you live in Australia on minimum wage, you are in the top 10% of wealth in the world. It's quite an eye-opener when we think about it. The last question that I'll ask here Is this something that you've been just putting off and putting off and putting off and putting it into the too hard basket? Is this the year that you actually need to make some changes in this area and just start to be faithful in your giving? Do you need to repent that this has just been too hard I'll get to that. I'll get, oh, when I get this much, or when I get to there, or when we get this built, or when we get that done, or when that happens. There's always something else that you can kick it down the road. Do you need to repent of this? So, as we come towards the close and as we get ready for our final song in a moment, here is my call or encouragement to you across this year as you think about your resources. If you just do what everyone else around you does, if you just do what your work colleagues who aren't following Jesus do, if you just do what society and culture around you calls you to do, if you just follow along with what's going on around us, you will not find the life that Jesus has for us to live. So be intentional with how you view and use your time your talents, and your treasures this year. You will thank yourself. Future you will be really excited. On 31st of December 2024, you will be jumping for joy that you actually did that. You got there this year. Or maybe you might go, okay, I took a step towards it. There's still many steps to go, and that's okay. Be intentional with how you... What did I say before? Say no to many Many things. Let's pray. Uh, Father, we thank you for a new year. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to just take stock and just take some time and to be intentional with what you have given us. We pray you would help us to make some hard choices. We pray you would help us to find areas to make some adjustments and find the ways that we need to say no. Help us to be bold. Help us to be wise And help us to find that life that you call us to. If we're weary and burdened, Lord, we pray that you would help us to find rest. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.